And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson of the Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed, who is live in Washington. Tom, say hello. Hello. Big game tonight for the Blue Jackets. Big regular season game, anyways. Uh, they play the Capitals in D.C. First time these two teams have met since last April. And, of course, the Blue Jackets... Oh, when the first two games of their playoff series against the Capitals came home with a 2-0 lead. Really, all they had to do from there on is keep it in the fairway, and, and they weren't able to do so. Lost a heartbreaking game three, double overtime. Uh, I think all would agree they underperformed in game four, and you can kind of feel it slipping away at that point. They lose in six games to the Capitals. Capitals win four straight after falling down 0-2. The Blue Jackets did not win a playoff game at home last spring, which I know sticks in the craw of John Tortorella uh, and others, of course. And then they had to suffer the indignity of sitting at home and watching the Caps go on and win the whole thing. I'm not sure if that makes it better or or worse. The Blue Jackets have had two opportunities to ponder that question because Pittsburgh did the same thing to them a year earlier. Um I feel like this is one of those games that's probably bigger to the Blue Jackets than it is to the Capitals. Uh, they've got the ring. They've got the banner in their in their ceiling, uh, so to speak. Um, what do you guys expect from tonight's game, and, and do you think it has any extra juice for both teams or just from the Blue Jackets' perspective? And Tom, we'll go with you first since you are on site and we'll cover the game tonight. Yeah, I would think if 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 it if it has any juice more than 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 normal, it would be from a Blue Jackets standpoint. Um, you know, maybe they can catch the Capitals a little bit uh, napping because the they just had a big win the other night against the uh, Penguins. Actually, it's the first time the Capitals have won back to back games this season. Uh, so the the hangover has kind of continued. The one that we watched all summer. Yeah. So uh, Braden Holpe was unbelievable in that game the other night. They were badly outplayed by Pittsburgh, but found a way to hang on. So, yeah, I'm sure anytime you get knocked out of the playoffs by a team, the first game back, I think it has some extra. You're going to have some extra juice, and it's it's a divisional game. 
Yeah, right. Uh, Allison, what are you expecting from tonight in terms of passion, pace, uh, you know, engagement? It's been an issue for the Blue Jackets. I don't suspect it will be one tonight. I think it's a little bigger deal for the Jackets, but there might be a little bit of extra see we told you <laughs> from the Caps. Um, yeah. But, you know, I thought uh, – your quote with from Josh Anderson and and I was there to to hear you speaking with him yesterday and it was very clear in how quickly he answered yeah we'll we'll have no problem being ready um, both in tone and and the pace of his answer I, I expect them and listen we've talked about that this season it's not the high end opponents that the Jackets seem to have the problem getting ready for so correct yeah I I don't think this one will be a problem I think there's some underlying issues here. Um, Tom Wilson will not play tonight for the Capitals. He is suspended uh, 20 games for a preseason hit on a uh, Blues player, Oscar. Sunquist? Yes. Uh, just making sure you're on your toes there, Tom. Uh, <laughs> so he's out. They don't have to worry about him. I was asking Josh if they would, Josh Anderson, if they would play that, if they would play Tom Wilson differently in a series if they had it to do over again, because it was such an undercurrent. Uh, really, it was at the forefront a little bit in game one when Wilson took out Wenberg, which was clearly a headshot. I mean, you know, we, we try to play pretty fair here. Clearly a headshot, clearly a suspendable hit. How he got a two-minute minor penalty is beyond me. And then Josh Anderson gets a more severe penalty for what looked like a less vicious hit. He was pretty clear, Josh, yesterday that when the NHL came to town in early October, um, so George Peros, who's the head of the Department of Player Safety, uh, Stefan Quintal, um, I believe Patrick Burke was part of it as well. They come and they make themselves available, available to the players. Here's where we're at with head hits. Uh, what questions do you have? And Anderson said, oh, yeah, I asked him right away, like, how can that not be suspendable Wilson's hit and yet mine was was punished greater than the one that was targeting ahead and the league told him we don't we didn't have enough replays which Anderson made it clear that he thought that was a stupid excuse or inexcusable excuse if that can be that um the uh, what I th so Wilson's not part of this tonight I still think it'll be a pretty physical game the one the one hit I wonder if it doesn't come back to the surface again and do you guys remember this Trade deadline last year, the Blue Jackets add Latestu, Cole made it into town. They added Vanek. It was a big day for the team. And they played maybe their best game of the season, the 5-1 win over the Capitals and Nationwide. Um, the only sort of smudge, the only smear on that game for Columbus was with two minutes left, Dmitry Orlov low-bridged Anderson coming into the offensive zone. You guys remember that? He went, he went sailing. And he didn't play again. He got up from the yes. hits. Yeah, yeah. Play again until the last game or the last two games of the regular season. Yeah, that's not something you address in the playoffs because it's just way too, way too costly. I wonder if that if that sort of stuff spills over into tonight's game. And do you guys anticipate any of that? I don't know if if Josh will or the team will go to address that hit directly, but I I think. Again, it speaks to the attitude they're going to take into the team, into the game. And, and I must say, I, I just want to make note of appreciating Josh's candor in his opinions on that Tom Wilson hit. And 
and sharing them publicly because I think that's not the kind of of stuff we usually hear about these kind of hits and and this kind of activity or lack of activity in the game. And I just, I think it's important um, for players to share that. And honestly, the bigger picture of concussions and overall head health, I think showing the importance of paying attention to this, and I don't want to say dismissing it because of a lack of camera angles or anything like that, but this stuff has to be taken seriously. And and I, I just want to make note of appreciating how frank Josh has been whenever he's talked about this whole series of events. Yeah. Tom, are you, are you expecting nasty stuff tonight or have we, have we moved beyond that entirely? Well, again, I, I, you, I, when you, when you play in a playoff series like they did, and it was a, uh, it was a weird, weird series four overtime games. I mean, yeah. as close as you can get in one way and the blue jackets didn't have a lead for more than 20 minutes the other way. It was, it was a weird, weird series. Yeah, I think anytime you you play a team in the playoffs, uh, there, there there will be that. There's, there's going to be a little bit of, of that, but I, again, I think it'll be more from the Blue Jackets standpoint. I think the next two nights will be interesting because it'll get uh, a good test, back-to-back games of how the Blue Jackets do down the middle. I mean, the interesting the, the mm. that I mean that's where the series was won last year. I mean, you you look back and uh, Kuznetsov four goals, four assists, Backstrom two goals, six assists. Uh, <laughs> Lars Eller with the arguably the biggest goal in the series. Jay Beagle still winning faceoffs somewhere. Yeah. A, a, a penalty kill. And then John Carlson was the best player on the ice in the whole series. So, um, and then the Rangers who have some decent centers too. Um, it was Zibanejad. Uh, Kevin Hayes is probably playing as well as I've ever seen Kevin Hayes play. And you get this new kid, this Brett Howden kid. So it'll be a good test for the Blue Jackets down the middle of these next two nights. I'll be interested to see how they handle that. Yeah, well, and I, one thing, I'm, I mean, the divisions don't really truly mean all, all that much. Um, it's, it's more about your overall standing in a sense. Um, but I, I just like them for the passion of the games. And finally, now Columbus is going to get yes. back Metro games. They've only yep. played two Metro games all year, I think, Philly and Carolina. Right. I don't even, I still don't consider Carolina in the Metro. I, I will not. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, you know, it, now you're starting to get in the meat of it. And, you, and then in a couple of weeks, it's, it's two, it's back to back games against Toronto. There's three games, three days in between Pittsburgh, right? Like the schedule. Yeah. Hey, you got to play, you got to play somebody. The schedule hasn't been sexy here early on. And I, I think that's about to change. So that that's a good thing. And they can they can certainly use us. So Friday at Washington, tonight at Washington, and then Saturday uh, at home against the Rangers, which is always a good time. Um, so and I think when you when you watch the Blue Jackets play tonight, if you haven't been playing paying close attention, the one thing that'll jump off the screen to you is why isn't Zach Wierenski playing with Seth Jones? Is is somebody hurt? Oh wait, there's Wierenski. Why is Wierenski playing with? Harrington on the third pair. It was really strange yesterday listening to John Tortorella talk about he doesn't know who his five six defensemen are, but one of them's going to be Wierenski. And you're going, whoa! Like never expected to hear five six next to Wierenski's name, and it's certainly not a permanent fix here. Uh, but they have split up Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski 
not for the reasons that we may have anticipated a couple of years ago because they needed to spread their uh, great talent throughout the defense, of course. No, they split them up because Wierenski is struggling. And he's struggling on the defensive end. He, his offense is the kid can fall out of bed and pick up two assists. That's always there. But they've moved him down. Uh, Murray, Ryan Murray is back up with Seth Jones. Nudavara is with Savard. And Wierenski is with, it looks like, Harrington for tonight in Washington. Now, that could change and be back to Kukan um, pretty quickly or even Clendenning. Um, we'll get to Ryan Murray in a second, but what do you guys make of these defensive pairs and how just unusual is it to see Wierenski waiting to come over the boards with Harrington as the third pair? Allison, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say first that I do like the Jones – Murray pair. That's a, that is who Seth Jones played with when he first came to Columbus, uh, however many years ago, and and they they fit well together. Um, it, it's weird to see Zach um, on a different pairing. It's it's also an interesting question to ask if that pairing is the right match to help him find what he needs to find in his game. Right. So, yeah. you know, is is who he's paired with going to be someone who can help him find the elements in his game that the coaches want him to find. I don't know the answer to that question yet, but, but it has been a struggle for Zach this season. I mean, he's, he's letting in the most shot attempts against um, of his very young career. He's got his lowest shot attempts for of his very young career. And I do agree with Torts that his game will return, um, but he's certainly not where he has historically been as a player it's yeah, time when you watch Warinsky play do you say boy this doesn't look like the kid from last year or is it just a bad funkers do you notice a, a specific change in his game no I don't notice a specific change I think it's a wake-up call I think that's more than anything what this is uh I think this is just a way you know you the coaching staff is trying to get trying to Press some buttons here. They 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 scratch Oliver Bjorkstrand the other night. Now I'm not saying that Wrenski and Bjorkstrand are in the same, you know, uh, levels, but I think that this is the coaching staff's way of trying to get Zach's attention. They know how much he loves playing with Jones, and this is a way to maybe have kind of get his attention a little bit. Uh, and you know, you you don't want to do some of this stuff, or you're not doing stuff at the level that we expect then play on the third pair for a little while and see yeah. if, if that can, I think that's what it, to me, again, without having talked to Wierenski about it, or, you know, I, I came to Washington yesterday, you guys went to practice. This to me is, is, is more along those lines than it is, as you said, maybe a permanent move. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's going to climb up. He's, he's too good of a, of a player to be down uh, for too long. But I, it, it, I do think he's in his head about the defensive stuff, and they've been on him about defending. He just doesn't look, he doesn't look like other defensemen from the red line back, um, in terms of taking the body and, and I think he's over. He may well, be overthinking it. I don't think he's resisting anything. I just think he's overthinking it. No, and then you, and you contrast that with, you know, recently the way Nudavara has played. You know, Nudavara was supposed to be the guy that was back there. That was, man, he's fragile. He's not very big. He's going right. to just learn to use a stick. All of a sudden, you see Nudavara like using his body a lot more, and right. the, and I'm sure the coaches are looking at, okay, Zach, what's what's going on here? Yeah, you, you know, you you should be able to do that if Nudavara can do it. 
you should be able to, to play that way every once in a while. Now, you don't want the guy, you don't want Zach out there fighting or you don't want him throwing head hits or anything. That's not what they're looking for. I think no. they're just maybe getting for a little higher compete level. Yeah. And I wonder, too, like, that was a major surgery he had. And he, that surgery may be, he may be cleared medically to use that shoulder yep. as he does the other one. Yep. Doesn't mean you're being cleared mentally or being cleared medically does not mean you're cleared mentally. That's a fair, fair that's a fair point. Yeah. And, and uh, sometimes it does take a little, he took a, oh, was it game two or three where he got smoked and you're like, oh boy. And he seemed fine. Uh, but I, I just don't get the sense that he's just letting loose and playing. Like there's more thought to his game than needs to be. But that's that's an easy thing to make the call on from up in the. Yeah, they, I think he's too good of a player not to play at a higher level. And I think this is just yeah. the way he's trying to nip this in the bud right now. Yeah. One of the really bright signs on the back end for Columbus and it is a guy. Man, you talk about Starcrossed. Uh, Ryan Murray, number two overall pick back in 12, I think. Yep. Just, I mean, he has had such bad luck with injuries. Some fluky stuff, some, some you know, rather baseline stuff. Ah, he got injured in training camp and everyone, oh, God, here we go again. And then the season starts, he's there, which is sort of a surprise that he was there at the start of the season. And touch wood, everyone, as they say in Canada, but he has been really good for them. Third on the team in ice time, played all 15 games, 178 plus two, only four penalty minutes. Um, and he's kind of the Wenberg of the back end where he's just, he's got 18 shots on goal in 15 games. Maybe he needs to shoot more, but he has been a real a bright spot, quietly a bright spot for them on the back end. And his, his promotion to play next to Seth Jones, I think really, um, for however long it lasts, gives him an opportunity for those numbers, all of them, ice time included, uh, to grow significantly. Allison, you wrote a piece, uh, a really, really nice piece about him this week. Uh, tell us what you what you found and where you see this going with Ryan Murray. Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, of course, it comes down to him getting the time to play because he's not injured. Um, you know, I've appreciated Murray's game for, for some time. I think he's finally really reaping the rewards of that. But you know, someone commented on, on the article yesterday, and I thought it was a really good point, and it's something a lot of us struggle with is, in today's NHL, how do you evaluate defensemen, right? Because it's no longer right. the stay-at-home, just keep everything out of the net guy. Right. And it, there was a really good piece from our colleague um, over in Pittsburgh about looking at defensemen, and, and the key to being at a to being a good defenseman in today's NHL is that you're doing two things. You're not just keeping the opponent out of their zone and preventing their offense you are in a split second also then generating offense for your team. So it's not just the stop the other guy, it's stop the other guy and create for your guys. And and yeah. I think that's what Murray is doing so, so well. His skating is, <laughs> Kenny McCudden probably would have talked about Ryan Murray skating for hours um, in terms of how good he is. And the reason that matters is that it allows Murray to get to where he needs to be to make the plays super efficiently and super quickly. So yeah. he knows what he needs to do and he can get there. And, and that's the second part is that vision of knowing what he needs to do. And the other thing coaches talked about is 
not just knowing the one thing he's supposed to do, but being able to evaluate on the fly. Um, I had a highlight in there of his assist to Anthony Duclair on that goal that Duclair fires from his knees. And everyone loved the goal, and rightly so. But if you look at what Ryan Murray had to see to collect the puck and then feed Duclair, I mean, if you only think, the only thing I'm going to do here is chip that puck up against the boards to get it out of the zone, right? you never see that pass. Um, yeah. And, you know, to your point, Brad Shaw said, you know, we're starting to really see flashes of a super offensively aggressive guy, and we want to see more of that. Um, so he said there's been about a half dozen times they've seen it this season, and they want to start seeing that more, and perhaps that will come. Um, but it's... It's Murray's ability to execute against not just preventing opponents from doing anything, but then also allowing his team to create is what's really making him so effective right now. I appreciate what Bradshaw says. I, and I would be great to see Murray bloom. Yes. I've always thought, I've always thought that he's just, he's going to be the guy that if you watch him over 50 games, you're impressed. And if you watch him over, three periods you may not be like he plays yeah. kind of a, a subtle quiet game where the the plays you appreciate are the little plays that maybe get missed not the the booming one timer not the new to bar stretch pass right. not the big hit just sort of a diffuser a diffuser defensively where he's unplugging things before they get started and the guy that that with a subtle play creates chances um, offensively, Tom, you've come to appreciate this player whenever he's been able to be healthy for sustained stretches. You say it's a pretty good hockey player, Ryan Murray. Uh, I think he is more appreciated around the league than he is by his own fan base. And yeah. uh, let's not forget that this guy was on the much ballyhooed team, North America yeah, you know, yeah. with, with Seth Jones. They, they were a defensive pairing. I think people around the league know how good Ryan Murray can be. Uh, I've never understood the criticism of Ryan Murray, to be quite honest with you. I think he's a really good player. He's, uh, he, again, he doesn't necessarily put up big points or anything, but he is the, the kind of the prototype defenseman for the, 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 the way that the league plays now. You have to be able to skate. You have to, as kind of all the points that Allison just made, that's what you're looking for in defensemen. Uh, he's not, he, he can, he can hit, but he's not going to just knock your socks off. Right. Uh, I just think he's a really good defenseman who's every time he gets a little bit of momentum going, unfortunately he gets hurt, but it's, it's, we'll see. I think a couple years ago, he, did he play all 82 games? Like he did. Years ago? Yeah. In 15, 16. So maybe, you know, if he can have a season like that, then I think he maybe some open some eyes and people around here will have maybe a greater appreciation for him. But I do think it's, I do think it's what Porty said earlier too. And Brad Shaw basically said this. He said, listen, the way that defensemen get noticed in this league is with big power play minutes and with the flashy goals, everything Porty just described. And to date, those are not things in Ryan Murray's book, <laughs> right? So it, and, and Brad Shaw, and it was kind of a, just a little piece in, in a lot of comments from him, but he said what Murray does is actually harder in that you have to make the exact right play over and over and over again to get noticed. And I think you're spot on, Porty. If you if you watch Ryan Murray one game, it, it's that stereotypical. I didn't notice him, but that's actually a good thing. And yep. it sure. wasn't wasn't till I started. You know, you start digging through film, and, and there were a couple clips that 
didn't even make it into my piece. Where I was like, just look at that. Like, it's just what he's doing is so effective and so quiet and so efficient. It's it's fun to watch. Um, I think one thing that's changed, too, is in, in evaluating defensemen. Like Columbus is like many, many teams now. I think almost every team that runs a 1-3-1 power play. Yeah. And defensemen traditionally have picked up a ton of their points off assists on the power play. Um, and Mur- Murray's never had more than like 25 points in a season, I don't think. And he's not going to – It's the chances of him getting there or too far beyond that now I think would be slim because he doesn't get any power play time here behind Wierenski or Jones. Now maybe that can change if, if they decide to take Wierenski off the power play, but that's hard. That's hard for me to get my arms around. Um, so usually these guys buttress their – like 20 points was a stay-at-home defenseman back in right. the day. Right. And now sort of 40 points is the measure of a guy that has some sort of contribution offensively. But I think it's hard for guys who may be offensively inclined to get those numbers just because the power play opportunities aren't there. Well, the other thing is that he plays mostly the last year and a half. He's played with Marcus Nudavar, who is of the two, the guy that's probably up the ice more, I would think, yeah. that takes the more of the offensive chances. And when you combine that with not really getting much power play time, those numbers aren't going to be there. But again, what he does is on many nights really good. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit of news here from our friend Isabel Kershudian in Washington. Winner of the Red Fisher Award this year, by the way, esteemed colleague. Woo-hoo. Uh, she reports uh, that John Carlson is out tonight as well as Brooks Orpik. So oh, the Capitals. Big, big loss for the Capitals. Yes. Carlson's a big loss. Uh, What's um, you know, you said it. He may have been the best player in that series last year, so that's a big loss for them. Um, not sure who goes in net tonight. My guess is it's Bobrovsky, and for as much heat as as Bob took early in the season, and deservedly so, he was not good. Uh, he's back looking like Bob, like Bob again. Um, last four outings, if you consider the relief appearance against. Uh, Detroit, he has a 944 save percentage and a 1.87 goals against. And you go, now that's Bob. That's what it looks like when Bob is Bob. Um, you, I think we can put to rest all of the for sure statements that his situation contractually was affecting his play because the contract situation is the same, but the plays come around. Have you guys seen anything different with him? Just anything technical, anything uh, feeling-wise with him? He looks to be more confident, and you see less jumping around in the net. And I do think, in his defense, the play around him has been better uh, in his last few outings. What are you guys seeing, Tom? You want to go first on that one? I just want the record to be clear. That's sure. not my call. Oh, can you hear that? Oh, I can hear I can hear the steps of the Capitol. <laughs> uh, Sounds yeah, like no, he's he's he, the last couple of games he's been better. I think it started with that game. I think it was in San Jose, right? Yeah, that was that was the game to me. He looked most like the goaltender we've come to know. Yeah. Uh, you you bring up you raise a good point. Just more economical in motion, not all over the place. Um, yeah, he's he and, and he had to figure he was going to come around. This guy's been too good for too many years in the regular season uh, not to not to find his game. And, uh, yeah, the, the team around him has been better. So 
I think the biggest thing is just he just seems more calm in that to me. What do you see, Allison? Yeah, I, I think he definitely has calmed down. There have been a couple times where there's kind of a jump that he's added to some of his save movement. This year, at least, I didn't notice it as much last year. Um, yeah. That still seems to be there. Um, I don't know. Um, but he's he's coming back around to who he is. I'm, I'm skimming here quickly to see if we've seen any differences because what was interesting is that uh, while Corpusalo had a slightly lower save percentage early, Bobrovsky was having more trouble with some of the high danger attempts against him. And that seems to be coming back around. So that, that looks to be the biggest difference um, in his game is that those shots that come from the high danger areas and it could be, you know, he made a, a passing comment uh, last game that the defense was giving him a better views of the play in front of him. Um, and, and of course, if you can see the puck better, you have a better opportunity to make those yeah, saves. Right. So um, that is an improvement that I've seen in his play. Well, I think we'll get an interesting read on that situation, the goaltending, uh, by who starts these next two games. Yeah. Right? I mean, if Bob plays really well tonight in Washington, do they come right back with him, or do they say, nope, we got to, we, as we've said, we have to see what we have in Corpus Salo. Here's a night start at home against the Rangers, right? I mean, that would be an interesting opportunity for Corpus Salo there, so we keep a close eye on that. Um, anything else we need to get to, guys? It feels like the season is starting to heat up a little bit and gain some some texture here. I, I'm thankful for that. Anything we need to to get to that we haven't addressed? No, Crickets. I think we covered it. Yep. Well, yep. That, that's a, that's an impressive podcast. Uh, thirty almost thirty minutes here. We're doing this well. Um, Tom, you're in Washington tonight. Enjoy that hockey game. Yes. Um, uh, two good games coming up. Yeah, you'll be back, Columbus, Allison, and Tom doing the Rangers game as well. I'm stepping away here for a family matter, but we'll be back in Dallas on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, interesting games coming around the horn. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for watching the post-game videos, too. Those are getting a cult following, from what I understand. <laughs> um, yeah. Like Sergio Mendez. Something like that. And uh, thanks for reading the coverage on The Athletic. By all means, if you're listening but are, are not a subscriber, you can uh, join the party. Theathletic.com, there's always great deals going. Uh, so, so by all means, get a subscription. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Thanks for listening. Thanks to David Cook for that great intro and outro music. And uh, Allison, blast us out of here. We'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.